Welcome to the Vital Dawn Podcast for Monday, September 27th. U.S. equity futures are higher. You're seeing the S&P futures rally 15 points. That's 33 basis points. You're seeing strong outperformance in the Dow. So the Dow futures are up 160 points. That's 50 basis points. And the Nasdaq futures are only up 17 points. That's about 11 basis points. So outperformance in cyclical value groups today, underperformance, relative underperformance in um, growth momentum as tech lags behind uh, areas like banks, uh, industrials, et cetera. And that same price action is apparent in Europe. The major industries in Europe are up about 30 to 60 points, 30 to 60 basis points overall. You're seeing outperformance in autos, energy banks, insurers, and travel leisure stocks. Travel leisure stocks are actually leading Europe this morning as uh, COVID-related concerns continue to fade both in Europe and the U.S., um, that's not necessarily the case in Asia, which I'll get to in a second. Um, energy stocks are trading very strongly along with the financials. You're seeing underperformance in um, the big luxury stocks along with tech. Um, remember, in, in Europe, you have a much bigger weighting towards cyclical value. And then also in Europe, um, a lot of the luxury names serve kind of the same role as your tech super caps do in the U.S. and that they're considered to be kind of these secular growth safe haven areas. So your uh, LVMHs, your Karens, et cetera trade almost like super cap tech names in Europe, which is why they're lagging today um, along with traditional tech stocks. Asia was very mixed overnight. Um, so Japan was about unchanged. Hong Kong was about flat. Uh, mainland China suffered selling pressure. In Hong Kong, the Macau gaming stock suffered steep declines. Macau implemented some incremental COVID restrictions ahead of the big um, Golden Week holiday coming up in China. So that weighed on Macau names, but like I just said, in Europe and the U.S., especially in Europe, you're seeing travel, the COVID, uh, the travel leisure stocks linked to COVID trade very well. Um, so there are a bunch of different themes this morning, a lot of moving pieces in the market. There's kind of no one central narrative that's really driving stocks globally. It's a lot of various different localized um, uh, themes. So starting in Washington, um, you know, again, a lot of kind of mixed dynamics going on. I think the big issue right now is Democrats resolving the intra-party differences between progressives and liberals with regards to the size of this reconciliation bill. Remember, reconciliation bills can pass on a simple majority basis, which means you have to get all 50 Democratic senators on board. The headline price tag of $3.5 trillion is never going to pass, <clears throat> and that's something that Pelosi actually acknowledged over the weekend. And the question is, what number will get everyone on board um, and get a bill passed uh, through not only the Senate, but the House and then onto Biden's desk? The debt ceiling, I, I envision, will have to get folded into the reconciliation bill as the re Republicans remain unified um, in their opposition to providing any type of cooperation. But again, you have to get uh, consensus on the reconciliation bill before you can put the debt ceiling into it. In the very near term, you have to avoid a shutdown this Friday. So government spending, um, the government budget authorization expires at the end of September. The Senate is going to attempt to pass a joint budget debt ceiling bill this week. That bill will pass. Democrats will then be forced to separate the two. So you're going to see reports in the coming days about how Democrats um, are working on kind of a standalone budget bill that will provide the government with funding until early December. That will avoid a shutdown on October 1st. Um, you know, I think it's it's a positive in that you'll avoid a shutdown, but I think that's largely expected. It's also relatively minor. The bigger issue is when can you reach a consensus on the debt ceiling? 
I'm sorry, when can you reach a consensus on reconciliation and then full debt ceiling into that? The debt ceiling deadline, um, it's not entirely clear, but it looks like it's probably going to be around the end of October. So the Democrats have about a month to kind of figure out what they want in their reconciliation bill and then include the debt ceiling into that. Um, I have a lot more details. It's, again, a lot of moving pieces are going on in Washington, a lot of different bills and deadlines. Um, but that's kind of one piece of the macro narrative this morning. Um, the other one is, and this is kind of becoming a, a new uh, macro theme, is this kind of global energy crunch that you're reading about in a variety of different countries, including the UK, um, where the government's going to enlist the military to help deliver gas to gas stations around the country. And then in China, too, where you have the government implementing various different power um, curbs throughout the country, partly because of um, various different new emissions rules as the country looks to curb emissions ahead of the upcoming Olympics, but also just due to shortages of various different um, forms of energy. So um, that is a big reason why oil is trading as well as it is this morning. Oil prices are at 52-week highs today. Um, because of all the energy crunch reports, you're seeing um, China growth expectations are getting cut for a variety of different reasons, including the property downturn, including the regulatory assault on businesses. Um, but the energy curbs are, are a huge factor now. And you saw um, a couple of firms come out this morning and cut China growth expectations because of it. Um, so that's kind of, again, this another very big macro theme that, that's rising in prominence. Um, bond yields are, are another big one. So you've seen now for the last several days, bonds come for sale, not just in the US, but globally yields are rising. Um, for the time being, it looks like it's occurring for positive macro reasons and that the market is reflecting a normalization um, not only in kind of growth, but also in monetary policy. And this really is mostly in the, in Europe and the U.S., I should say. Um, you know, so remember last week you had a, a trio of hawkish central bank decisions in about 24 hours. So the Fed on Wednesday, then you had Norway and the BOE Thursday morning. That helped really catalyze a sharp sell-off in um, bonds on Thursday. And that's really continuing through this morning. Treasury yields up about 1% to 3% one to three basis points rather. Um, and you're also seeing tenure yields higher across the board in Europe. That is certainly helping fuel a um, anti-growth pro-cyclical rotation in stocks. You're seeing that play out in US futures. You're seeing that play out in European equities as well. Um, and I suspect it's going to continue in the US. Again, tech will be penalized just given the elevated multiples in that group. Higher yields tend to um, erode high multiple stocks. That's why tech is very vulnerable in this type of an environment. It's also why you're seeing um, you know, investors pile into cyclical stocks. You aren't necessarily seeing that play out so far, at least in growth data. Um, you know, I suspect that will change going forward as COVID fades. Um, you know, that should translate into improved uh, growth dynamics going forward. You'll see that show up more in the data. But that's another really big macro theme. So the, the ordering of macro, um, you know, macro topics in the market this global energy crunch and then what's occurring in bond yields and then cyclical versus growth stocks is certainly um, obviously becoming a very uh, a, a very important topic. As far as Evergrande is concerned, you did see a lot more headlines out over the weekend this morning about um, you know not only that company, but its electric vehicle subsidiary, other property stocks in China. I think the market um, is just becoming increasingly comfortable in China's ability to contain the fallout from Evergrande prevent it from being um, um, kind of this global macro overhang. 
Um, and that is why I think uh, markets are behaving as well as they are, despite kind of um, a worsening situation with in the Chinese property sector. Um, so those are all the various different pieces this morning. Like I said, a lot of different moving uh, moving pieces. No one central um, macro theme in the market. Um, it's very kind of um, determined by sector, and then also varies varies by geography. Um, there's a lot more in the piece today, so be sure to check that out on the calendar for today. You really don't have much in the U.S. You have a couple of Fed speakers, some economic data. Nothing else is scheduled. I suspect you'll see a lot of noise out of Washington, though. Um, and then just looking out quickly over the course of this week, you're going to have a lot of eco data, including China's PMIs Thursday morning. You're going to have two inflation numbers out Friday morning from Europe and the US. Um, and then you have a couple of earnings, including Micron Tuesday night. Obviously, a lot coming out of Washington. You have a lot of deadlines. We'll have to see how that unfolds. Um, you have a Japanese election Wednesday morning. And just quickly, as far as the German um the German election is concerned that you saw on Sunday. I don't really think it has a ton of really macro implications. The outcome was largely consistent with expectations. It's probably going to be a couple of weeks before you see a coalition formed. Um, but like I said, I don't necessarily think it's a huge, uh, you know, incremental development for the macro narrative. So that is everything for today, Monday, September 27th. Thank you for listening.